Cheers. Cheers. Ah. Back welcome. to Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to start out here <laughs> with some kind of tradition, right? We have used up our supply of other interesting things that we had in the fridge, and this is all that's left. So. Yeah, just, just be glad that we're back. <laughs> Bud Light does. Yes, we're back. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, all the holidays leading up to then, um, 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'm glad to be back here. Glad to be back recording. Um, did make some progress. I'll definitely update with all that. That's pretty exciting. Been loving my Bronco, <laughs> using it constantly. Um, but things haven't all gone how I want. Um, the good news is still have a bunch of great sponsors supporting <laughs> us this year. So got to put that plug in. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, E3 Storage. That's where we're at right now in the Marietta location. Um, there's quite a few locations around Atlanta, one in Charlotte. Uh very neat. It's a, it's absolutely the solution if you're like us and you live in an apartment. You need a place to wrench. There's a lift here that you can access. There's a place to store. Um, if you need to store your vehicle, that's optional. That's an additional um, charge. So you can just be a member or store and be a member. Uh, all kinds, all walks of life. All car enthusiasts, but all different kinds. Um, you know, you've got people that keep classics, restore classics, uh, race cars, everything in between. It's very cool. <laughs> Yeah, Always make friends here. There will be like a E46 wagon next to a 70s muscle car next to a bone stock Miata. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was I was like playing with the Bronco. I would put it up on the lift to like get under it and check it out. Um, and all of a sudden, like my dream car pulled up. It was a, um, I think technically a 2000 GTV Alfa Romeo. Oh. Oh, I love those so much. And it, of course it was in red. It was perfect. So perfect. <laughs> cool. Uh, Jayzilla Track Days. So Jayzilla Track Days, we're both staff with Jayzilla. That's our preferred track day organization here in the Southeast. But more than the Southeast, later this year, uh, actually, there's dates announced. Oh, I should have pulled this up. Jayzilla is going back to Europe. Oh, that's official? That is official. I so didn't know they'd release the dates yet. I'm literally Googling this right now. Or just going on that Instagram. So you chase little track days on Instagram. Save the dates June 24th through June 30th for Nürburgring and Circuit Spa Francorchamps. Nice. Ah, I can't wait. This is in September, you said? No, no, no. June. Oh, June. Sorry. 24th through the 30th. From? I don't know. June 4th through the 30th. Okay. Yep. So I'm um, very excited. Um, it's going to be a little family thing for me. My dad's going to come out. Um, oh, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Very cool. Uh, I've been twice before, but it's not one of those things that is like one and done. You never want to go back. <laughs> it might be one and done because it's impractical to go all the time, but it's so worthwhile, even subsequent times. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, I've been once, and I really want to go again. <laughs> so, You think you can make this one? I don't know. Okay. Maybe. It's tough. Everything goes on in the summer. Like That's when all the interesting stuff's happening. Yeah, and things with uh, with my job might be changing where I'll have a little bit of a little bit more free time uh, okay. coming up. So fingers crossed for that. Uh, but we'll we'll see. I can't commit yet. Cool. Valkyrie Engineering, mm-hmm. very excited uh, working with these guys. We, they've built just like this incredible battery, like lightweight battery solution for a lot of cars. I've got one in my Miata, um, and Corey and I made a video of it and just like gushed over the quality. It's amazing. 
-hmm. I think there's lots of cool stuff that's going to happen with this partnership. Hopefully this year, um, we'll report back when we have more Miata fix Cameron over there in Leeds, Alabama is my man for this Miata project. (laughs) Like I'm constantly hitting him up. I'm like, yo, so you know what's going on with setting up a Miata and I am overloaded with all the decisions I have to make. Just make a bunch of decisions for me. And he has been <laughs> clutch with that. Um, he's actually supplying me with uh, pretty much all the body panels I need for the car because I just have a chassis. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's setting me up with subframes. He's pushing in my bushings into arms. He's going to have the whole configuration exactly how I want so I can do like the factory assembly. I'll be able to pull these like these subframes and everything under the car and drop the body because we have this lift at E3. I'll be able to like (laughs) pull the subframes that are on it off and roll them out of the way, roll the whole like powertrain on these new subframes under the body, drop the body on, bolt it together and then wire everything up. So it's going to be a very legit like build process. And that's all thanks to Miata fix. Very exciting. So why would you contact them? (laughs) Miata fix will, um, Part out Miata's general service for Miata's keeps a lot of parts in stock. Um, and they're really, really close to Barber. So if you're near Barber, you need that guy on speed dial. Um, <laughs> if you can get there at all, he's a great option uh, to source everything Miata. Yeah. And he's also kind of a track guy. So Absolutely he, a track you guy. can ask him, you know, what uh, bushings should I put in my control arms that I'm buying from you? And yep. he'll have an opinion and it's probably a good one. Exactly. So, as you um, found. <laughs> and he'll be real honest with you if he doesn't know and he'll steer you in the right direction but it, he's been a great resource. Uh, Koenig Wheels. Very excited to be working with Koenig Wheels. I have a set of wheels that I've ceramic coated and I've just been lazy putting the tires on and I'm glad I was <laughs> because of the rule change. Uh, we talked about it in the last episode, I think. Yep, um, we did. Now it's a different set of tires. I was able to return the tires that I bought before and buy the correct sized ones, um, no cost, no, no like, no loss there. So that was pretty exciting. Um, the the guys just showed up to my house with four stickers, threw them on the on the tires, like without wrapping them or anything, and put them in the truck. I never got <laughs> charged, so works for me. <laughs> uh, four wheel parts. Obviously, uh, less relevant for the race car, but it's going to be really exciting as I kind of blend what I'm doing, especially this year, between the race car and the Bronco, now that I actually have the Bronco. So four-wheel parts should be very excited because we can actually like make good on some of these agreements here. <laughs> um, I am very excited because I finally get to play with this thing. I got to announce that it was actually here for the last one, but I had barely... Like, barely enjoyed the car at all at that point <laughs> i'm trying to remember where i left off well so this is a, a little bit off topic yeah but we and also just for reference we did we talked about uh, first impressions because i got to see it for the first time last time we walked around it yeah and we were just getting a feel for we were both i think kind of surprised by the overall build oh. quality and like interior yeah. bits and pieces and uh, yeah anyways um i was just thinking what if you're gonna have to pick parts for it, right? And I assume you haven't already. What if we what if we took a look at the at like a catalog and kind of picked a couple of things that you knew for sure? We could potentially even do it like some of that live if you Well, that's a cool idea. Yeah, I don't know, it just came to me. So I need to reach back out to all of my sponsors. I, I've reached out to a few of them, but I should formally get back around and say, Hey, it's a new year. Let's talk plans. Um, some of them will hear 
if I don't do that quick, someone will hear it on the podcast first, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> but I I should reach out. And th- so this is this is me skinning my knees on figuring out all the sponsorship stuff. Like I need to be a lot more purposeful about you know writing up uh, emails and and updating my sponsors on a regular basis. I definitely tag them all the time in Instagram, and a, most of these accounts I'm seeing them interact back, just like a like or a quick mm-hmm. comment or something. So it's kind of nice. It's almost like a read receipt that, that they, <laughs> yeah. they know They've what's going it. on. Yeah. So I I like that, but. I feel like that's me being lazy and I could be a lot more proactive and really demonstrate to them that I'm invested mm-hmm. um, in our partnership and that I'm continually looking for ways to, to build value. So I've, I've seen people do uh, with sponsorships, like almost like a, a newsletter, I guess, you know, like, yeah, that'd be like once a month awesome. or once a quarter, they yeah. just send like an update to all their sponsors. And it's just, you know, like a one pager, like, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm up to. Here's what's coming up. And what do you want in on? <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. Um, man, I tell you what, it, it's, it's so easy to plan in theory, but it's so hard to make your plans stick. So the whole reason for these sponsorships is because I'm trying to race. My, my plan is grid life, GLTC, Grid Life Touring Cup. That's what I'm building this Miata for. And my plan was to run the entire season this year. Mm-hmm. But here's a reality check, right? We're in January, mid-January. I still have a chassis. It doesn't even have an engine in it. Um, there's, you, do, you do have an engine, though. I do have an engine. <laughs> Sorry, there's, future update. There's a, lot, there's a lot to be done still. And the first official event for GLTC this year is in like... A month and some change, a, a month and a week, I think, in Austin, Texas. Hmm. There's just no way. And uh, so part of part of how this is going to happen, regardless, here, here's my strategy, okay? I am one man. <laughs> <laughs> so building this car is an insane uh, accomplishment that I just don't think I can do alone. And thankfully, I grab friends like Corey and get bribe them with with food and beer to come help me on the car but even so that like i'm i'm orchestrating all of it and that's really tough um i also just realized we didn't even introduce ourselves so if you made it this far and you don't know who we are (laughs) i'm kevin bandy and i'm Corey funk cool so yeah this is in the race podcast (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the new year we're struggling but we're here um if this is the second time we've said it it's because we added a bumper at the beginning if not well you know what's going on (laughs) Uh, we're here i promise no totally fine so i mean yeah the the days to race are coming up fast so some of the reality of of what is left is is starting to weigh a little heavy considering how much time we have left and then on top of that both of us have had actually particularly busy end of last year um and so we we just yeah i haven't been around to help much and and you haven't been able to make much much progress so uh there's definitely progress that's been made but i'll i'll say this much a while ago i had determined you know what this is not something that i want to only do by myself and the best help is like help that knows what they're doing so winning formula out of kentucky is a shop that's built so many of these K-Swap Miatas, <laughs> like they basically wrote the book on it. So they know what they're doing. Uh, they support 
pretty much all of the K-Swap Miatas that run GLTC. And then they set up at the paddock at every one of these events. They all paddock together and all that knowledge gets shared and people are able to continue running their car. I I feel like at, at you know, to put the worst lens on it, I should pay my dues and be a part of that like community. Um, but I, I see it as so much more of a positive thing than that. Like I would love to pay them to what they enjoy and are knowledgeable in doing to save me so much time in figuring all that out by myself. And, and for what, just to save a couple of bucks, I would love to throw them my business. So I want to work with them at some stage in the build. I don't want to just write one check, drop off all the parts or, or not even that just be like, Hey, give me a car. I want to do some blend of that so that I know the car more. I can save money on, on the time consuming stuff. That's real obvious, like following the instructions in the kit, putting the engine and the transmission in the car. So I'm trying to do all that kind of stuff, getting the seat in the car, you know, things that are like, Hey, I'm building a race car, not I'm building specifically a K Miata. So I'm trying to figure out how to find that blend, find that balance. And I've been trying pretty hard to get a hold of winning formula to make that happen. I'm trying to officially schedule that handoff now. Mm, And so, yeah, I, my goal was like, how do we do this for Austin? And it's just not going to happen. Like I, I could have potentially bugged them like early December and Mm -hmm. maybe we could have coordinated that at this point. I'm, that's just not realistic, but coming up in March, there's an event at AMP which is really close to us. It's right there in Dawsonville, mm-hmm. Georgia. I mean, it's only an hour drive. Like I don't have to have hotel accommodations or anything. I can make that. Um, or I thought back touch on that later. Um, but that gives us an, a little more time. And what I'm hoping to do is hand off the car to them and they do basically firewall forward is kind of how I'm pitching it. It's like, look, it's going to have suspension. It's going to have all that. Uh, the engine's going to be in there, but there's some stuff I haven't figured out. Like, I've got the intake manifold, throttle body, all the adapters. Then mm-hmm. what? There's nothing after it. I need to go to a filter somewhere. Like I could potentially fab something, but they probably already have like three solutions. They've built a bunch of times. They definitely have like a jig or something exactly. or, or just a known like working solution. Right. Wiring, huge headache, but they work with a company. I think they work with a company. I don't think it's them directly that has wired these cars and they sell you can just go online and buy a wiring harness for this, but it's not quite that simple. It's not like they stock them. You got to give them measurements for everything, Mm -hmm. but they've thought this through enough to productize it. So foolish of me to try to reinvent the wheel. I should bring it to them and be like, Hey, I have exactly what you're building. Can you, can you put it in my car? Now Mm -hmm. I don't have to send measurements. You're going to make sure it's right. Like you guys can work together. So that makes a ton of sense. And then there's going to be all these little things that I don't even know that I need <laughs> that they will know that I need. And I, that alone is worth paying for, in my opinion, just like, yeah. what am I missing? Because they're going to do all the little things like, oh, you're going to have this little um, uh, power selector that's mounted to the firewall under the hood. So that's out of reach of driver. It's legal for the rules, but then you can change like your tune. Mm, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you guys already have a place that you like to put it. Awesome. Done. You'll do that. Uh, all kinds of little things. And, and I 
can't be more specific because I genuinely don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> but my idea is I want to give them a 90% car and I want to pay them for the 10%. They always say that the last 10% is the hardest, but if they've done it 30 times, mm-hmm. maybe it's not that hard for them. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm correct in saying this. We had talked about this in the past. It, I'm pretty sure it was on air as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just saying that we were considering uh, getting some help from them because we know that they know what they're doing. Yeah. So, so now um, it's it's very real. I'm definitely going to do it. Yeah. But I, uh, I just had uh, – it's a good thing, but I had something come up um, that is going to force me to miss AMP. Um, so that actually takes some of the pressure off. I can push that back even further because I'm sure their schedule is incredibly packed. And NCM becomes the next event. So realistically, this is looking very doable. And man, I this is such a popular idea this year. I went to go buy my gold pass. So Gridlife has these tickets called gold pass where you can like pre-buy for the whole year and you, you save a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, awesome. I'll do the gold pass because I'm going to go to every single event. So you can buy a nine event gold pass. I was going to do that. I wasn't paying attention to the clock <laughs> and I was 10 minutes late and they were all sold out. Oh no. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and man, good for them though. The, they oh, sold absolutely. out that fast. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking like you have to put down like $5,000 all wow. everybody was putting down that kind of money in 10 minutes. Well, they have payment plans, but they were committing to that kind of money. Man, they're doing Instantly. something right as a series to yes. have that happen and be in such high demand like that. Definitely. Um, but yeah, it sucks. Sorry. <laughs> it does. So between that and like the car being, you know, kind of not as far along as I'd like. And I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this year is going to teach me patience. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of the theme of this episode, like, and the theme of the entire year for me so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had so many personal plans already canceled, like within a week, like my company had a retreat planned for Miami, um, this weekend all through next week. Mm-hmm. I was so excited. I put all these plans together to drive down to Florida this weekend and I'm still doing it cause I don't want to back out of it. And because of Omicron, um, they canceled. <laughs> so all these things I was looking forward to this year have all just like, missed 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 and i think i need to take a step back and reevaluate and figure out how to pick up the pieces and do the most with it um yeah i think everybody was kind of ready for this new year to be a fresh start and like everything's back to normal and here we go let's do all the fun stuff that we missed out last year and and in reality it's just kind of been more of the same setbacks (laughs) that we were all dealing with uh, previously and you know the new virus thing is is at the forefront of everybody's minds now um so it's just yeah it's slowing down our plans (laughs) sadly it's it's really tough i here's the thing i i've i've resisted for so long the feedback i got from a lot of my friends which was don't don't rush into this and think you need to knock it all out in the first year you need to shake down the car and dip your toes into it and I push back, push back, push back, because in my mind, that sounds like giving up. It's like if I just keep pushing the the you know the finish line back, I'll never get there. 
You know, it's, it's easy to be like, oh, well, I'll, I got plenty of time now. I'll just do it for next year. And then I never build the car. Mm-hmm. I never enter an event. So I'm trying to like s- keep myself accountable and make sure I do these things. And I just keep getting punched in the gut. So it, it was hard for me to say like, oh, this is inconvenient. So I should quit like that. That's the mindset I've been in. And it's like, I don't want to quit because it's tough. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm finally seeing it a little more clearly. And I think a better strategy is going to be don't take so much time off of work that I put myself at risk this year because I really need to dedicate a year where I'm ready to go after the whole season. And it's looking like 2023 is a much better fit for that. Now mm-hmm. get the car built. Don't, don't linger to get the car built but then use the year to shake down the car and get good with it and enjoy it and really build it up right so that all I'm doing over the winter at the end of the year planning for the next season is what little tweaks give me an advantage for the new rule set that comes out for 2023. And it's been hard to make that decision but now that I'm making that decision, I bounce it off of so many people I trust and everyone supports it. In fact, I even bounce it off of Adam Jabay of Grid Life, one of the organizers. Um, and he was like, yeah, dip your toes into it. It's, it's silly to just jump all in. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been really hard for me to, to come to terms with. But I think, I think it's going to be the right move. Yeah. I think the shakedown and the warm-up is going to be crucial to just understanding the car and understanding what it needs to go fast. Yeah. Um, on a slightly lighter note, mm-hmm. uh, what, what events are you thinking you will enter this year? So what, okay. what define shakedown? I yeah. Guess. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. Um, there's a couple things that I'm trying to do with this whole program and it's not just go win the title. Like that's not like my only goal here. I also really want to get into the fabric of grid life because I love what they're about. Yeah, really and, cool organization. Yeah, and and also there's a strategic advantage of doing that ahead of my competition season too. So it's still a priority for me to make events, even if that means some of them I'm spectating, volunteering, doing time attack instead, like maybe not even in the Miata. Um, in some cases, time attack in the Miata could tell me, hey, am I running the same pace as quality laps for the GLTC competitors, but I just don't enter GLTC. Like there's hacks, yeah. right? That, that I like that idea. That's exactly kind of the direction I was going with it. Okay. Um, which is, I was wondering, uh, yeah, if you could do time attack instead of GLTC, but at yeah. the same tracks with the same people and kind of get a feel for where you stand, but also have some fun doing competitive time attack. I like that idea a lot. Um, my 128 is so terrible at um <laughs> at classing because oh, yeah. it has some things that like just blow it out of class like spherical bearings like I'd, i've done nothing race car on that thing but a pair of spherical bearings that just gives it better feel and replaces a high wear item yeah. with a never going to wear item um but like i did the secca time trial nationals a few years back and they were like that should put you in like unlimited class. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? This thing barely makes stock power. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, 
it's not a car that I built to class well. It's a car that I built to just enjoy dual duty track and, and street. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a race series, a, a time attack series that I think is very fun. And I did make a video saying, Hey, I've got these two Miatas. I'm going to take one and I'm going to go, um, you know, do their club TR, their new class. That's mm-hmm. like kind of like the lead into GLTC. Yeah. And then a BMW X5 pulled into an intersection and ended my Miata. So <laughs> that's not happening. It was a sad day. <laughs> uh, but there is another really exciting, in my opinion, um, time attack series they have called Sunday Cup. And by Sunday, I mean like, you know, the banana and the ice cream, not the day of the week. <laughs> they are spelled different, I think. Uh, <laughs> they are. We confirmed. Okay. <laughs> I, I confirmed. <laughs> um but it's uh, basically B-spec cars, but no cage requirement or anything like that. So Honda Fit is like the typical car. So yeah. basically it's like a ton of Honda Fits. And the rules are you can do like intake and exhaust, some light suspension. And that's like it. Yeah. And you have to make – or there's like a – all the rules are real soft. They're like you need to be ballpark this power to weight. Like – you're only allowed these mods. Basically, the the spirit of this is not tweak the rule book to win. The spirit of this is like, we know these cars are slow. <laughs> Just go have fun. Just go send it in these cars and have fun. Yeah, and like build the cheapest race car possible. Basically, <laughs> and uh, I'm really tempted because it would mean I get to meet some of these competitors in the most, you know, guards down. Let's just hang out and have fun way that seems like a great introduction into grid life like there's no wrenching in the paddock literally you just pull your miata your miata uh, that's all i can say now pull your fit out just go turn some laps Hmm. laugh have some beers afterwards and like get to know people there that's really interesting to me um Hmm. and i've never really had a front wheel drive car so like it's kind of new experiences i wonder too if that's kind of slightly un uh untouched by the like big budgets that are rolling into gltc now too well you certainly wouldn't feel any like you wouldn't feel disadvantaged because of a lack of budget in it yeah like maybe it would just be like a little bit more uh you know like maybe like slightly more pure and fun more like right. like more in the direction of go-kart yeah than in the direction of like wrl or AR or exactly something like that. i think so and i i love that idea um, and I think the just pure fun side of it really is at the core of grid life too. So this, the idea I I'm interested because first of all, like one major component of my Miata costs the same as mm-hmm. buying a fit and then <laughs> <laughs> they don't really lose value. So when it's no longer useful for me, I sell it, I get all that money back. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like. Well, you know how savings accounts basically accrue no interest? It's basically a savings account. Like, <laughs> I buy this thing and I can sell it and get that money out and I won't really make or lose anything, I think. Hmm. Um, you might lose a little bit in the like uh, the cage construction. No, there's no cage. Oh, there's no cage? It's time attack. Yeah, what? You, you drive it stock. Okay. Yeah. No, never mind. It's intake exhaust, you know, light suspension. Like you can change springs, shocks. Can't do coilovers. You can Wait, do sway so bars. I was thinking that it was like you can put a seat in it. I thought that it was a wheel to wheel race. Nope. It's just time attack. Just time attack. Oh, this changes things. Yeah. I was about to tell you 
to go buy a beast pack car no i was about to say like the this sounds like it could be a little bit of a distraction mm. away from focusing funds and efforts on the on the miata and getting it done yeah um but if we're talking like <laughs> you know fifteen hundred dollar car that you don't need a roll cage in and you can just send it with a straight pipe <laughs> well let, let's be real we're in we're in like post-covid era it's probably a six thousand dollar car but it's a six thousand dollar yeah. car with like a thousand dollars for the mods that yeah. maybe I can resell for seven thousand dollars when I'm done with it. Okay, right, and right. and like basically no development. I have uh I have uh, leaned back over on one side of the on fence here yes. a little bit, yeah. And um, the other thing is, if I want to go to faraway events, I bet it's still light enough that I can throw it on the trailer and Bronco tow it. Oh up. yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> because it it won't be the most comfortable like long distance cruiser, uh, but if I do, I get to save a lot of gas money. Because it would, it's gonna be a fuel sipper. Yeah. Because right now the only vehicle I own that runs is the Bronco. <laughs> it gets 17 miles per gallon on a good day, and then yeah, that's it. So. Hmm. That is really interesting. Um, right. Interesting proposition. Yeah. I don't know. No decision yet. <laughs> but um, speaking of the Bronco, uh, I got a tow hitch for it, so I am ready to start towing. Although I've not tested yet. I'm very excited to do that. Um, I, I think I'm still going to do some stuff with the Bronco kind of, I won't say first, but early, mm-hmm. which I think is really exciting. Like that's part of the reason I was so excited to get a very, very early Bronco because I want to capture this captive audience of ooh new shiny. Tell me about it. And this is the best excuse I can think of to really get my, my YouTube channel going. Mm hmm. So I've had this YouTube channel, Bandygram, same as my Instagram, and I've tried all kinds of stuff, haven't stuck with much of anything. Um, uh, I did some some like collaborations that helped me get some subscribers, and a lot of my VinWiki videos sent a lot of people my way, things like that. So it, it's been a fun journey, but I, I haven't really like built it into something that I'm continuing with. And between building this race car, starting to race, these things that we're documenting here in the podcast, and the Bronco, I, I really have some interesting content to share on there. So hmm. I, like I said, I got the tow hitch. I'm going to start towing. That's something that I don't feel like people are talking about. So it'd be cool to, to showcase that. But just like going through all the details, I, I was watching tons and tons of Bronco videos, and I finally made one about mine. And I recorded all kinds of stuff and looked through the footage and like put it all together and tightened it up as much as I could. And I'm like, oh my God, this is an hour. This is an <laughs> hour long. This is my condensed of everything that I can say about it is tightly, you know, condensed as I could. It's an hour. Um, so I threw something up on my Instagram. I said, hey, uh, would you want to watch an hour long video about the Bronco or a 15 minute long? And as you might expect, most people said 15 minutes, (laughs) but I actually got like 13 or 14 people that were like, no, I definitely want the hour long. Mm -hmm. And someone even DM me. I was like, yo, I'm, I'm interested in a Bronco. I will totally watch it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay, I don't think it'll perform terribly well, but there'll be a few people that watch it and that'll actually add up because YouTube looks at those things. It looks at like, oh, are are people watching a lot of time? Mm Mm-hmm. And not necessarily like a ton of views, but a lot of time. That's valuable to them as well. And uh, we were just looking at the analytics before we sat down. Mm-hmm. I have almost the same view count. 
It's crazy. I got a 12 minute one and an hour one. Yeah. And the when you look at watch time like throughout the video wh- where viewers are dropping off, they're like not really dropping oh, off. It's crazy. Like <laughs> there's, there's a little a, bit of a drop in the beginning yep. and then it's just plateau straight across it's to the crazy. end. It's crazy. Like people um, actually watch it and and I I felt like I was really good about, you know, talking quickly, being dense with my information. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to respect people's time, but I'm just, I, I'm kind of blown away uh, in yeah. a really positive way. Yeah. I'm, I have saved those to my watch list and I'm very much looking forward to seeing cool. everything. You'll so. have to report back. Yeah, I will. Um, so I, now I'm trying to think through like, what kind of things can I do that are unique and interesting and people yeah. want to watch? You've um, already taken it off-roading pretty seriously, right? Yeah, yeah. I did like a real off-roading adventure, and I was pushing back. I was like, oh, I really need to like do some PPF and ceramic coating first. And then I just finally said, screw it. I, <laughs> I want to I want to drive this thing. for an off-roading car. <laughs> I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's just like, it's expensive and... Yeah. I don't know. And you're going to just like scrape it off first time you go through. Well, that's the thing with the PPF is it can actually def- defend against a lot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it'll heal, but I don't know. I, I, I sent it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did something that I thought was pretty unique um, because I'm here at E3. I put it up on a lift and I filmed the underside and I pointed out all the things that I thought were interesting. And I don't know if I advertised that well enough in the video or not, but I definitely got some comments that people were like, ooh, this is cool. This is the first time I've seen, you know, these details. Yeah. And I do think that was interesting. Like I took the the front bash plate out and this stuff's thick, like really thick. Mm-hmm. And so I put it on the scales and it weighs twenty pounds. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a plate that goes behind it just to block just to cover like the oil drain pan and stuff like that. And I put it on the scale, it was ten pounds. I'm like Dang, that's a lot of weight. I guess yeah. a lot of protection too. Yep. Yeah, and uh, this is gonna kind of give give it away. But I'm hoping people aren't just looking for a punchline when they watch the videos, anyways. But um, another video I'm gonna try to do is like, okay, I took it off road. What's the underside look like now? <laughs> did did they miss something? Is there something that I might strike and and uh, or did they put armor in the right places? Hmm. They put armor in the right places. Oh, you've already it seen was, it. Oh, it was amazing. Like. Everywhere that there's any scuffs or abrasion is like either fully boxed in frame cross member or bash plate. Hmm. Like there's a lot of open areas and none of those were touched. Like it is clean up there. And I was doing creek crossings. I was getting stuck in the mud. I was like dragging the bottom on stuff. Yeah. It's all on like the right places. They knew where to do it. Yeah, good for them. They did their research. Definitely. Not that I would have expected anything less. But, sure, um, but that's, a, that's it's good. cool to see it. Like I've actually been able to put it to the test. And approach and departure angles, amazing. Like I basically didn't didn't come into anything. I, I uh, approach a little bit. There was definitely some stuff like that I um, contacted and then rubbed up against. But mm-hmm. if you look at the front bash plate, it's only those parts where it juts out to like protect the bolts for it. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, but I guess that makes sense. That, that's what you hit first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's great. You, you, so you being kind of like the road trip guy, right? Yeah. What, what uh, are you thinking about potentially doing a road trip in that thing or so my original plan was to go all the way to alaska as soon as i got it because i was going to get it during the summer yeah that was gonna be before i really started on the miata ra- race car and everything and mm-hmm. i was like oh this would be fun but now that it's in the middle of crunch time to work on the race car and the winter i was like okay this plan's not gonna happen so back to patience right i have to like put that off um i don't know 
What I have done though is I did a 800 mile day trip um, to Huntsville and brought one of our friends Reed over to look at a, a Miata. Actually, oh cool. Yeah, he ended up not buying it. Um, it's a good thing he didn't buy it. It wasn't a good example, unfortunately. It, it photographed a lot better than <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know how that goes. They do. Yeah, <laughs> that's the game. <laughs> but it was really cool because it was my first test of like, okay, let's go a real distance. So. 800 miles is enough where you can determine, am I going to be miserable driving this thing a long distance or not? Definitely. And we both got out saying we never felt the first hint of being uncomfortable. Like it, it is a very comfortable um, seat. It's very quiet in the cabin. There's a little bit of wind noise, but it's not enough to like bother you at all. Hmm. Uh, and the ride quality is really good. Nice. I know I wouldn't be able to say the same thing about a Wrangler. Yeah. I, having spent some time in those, it's a, uh uh spartan ride yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and, <laughs> and it's, interior. it's excusable because it's an off-road vehicle yeah. but the bronco i think does a great job of kind of bridging both huh is the break-in done now oh yeah yeah so i'm at like 2,000 miles now nice. break-in is a thousand um so i'm i'm good to tow hit red line all those things nice okay i need to, you need to take me for a ride in that before the oh yeah uh, maybe before the next podcast actually i just yeah. want to see what it's like yeah for sure yeah the uh <laughs> it's funny we went up this pretty steep um well i i hesitate to call it a mountain because if you don't live in the south uh you probably won't call it a mountain but if you do it's a mountain (laughs) um over there in like northern alabama and we're like okay let's just see what it'll do and i just like wound up all the gears and going uphill i couldn't tell i was going uphill it pulled just as hard i think being turbocharged has a big thing to do with it and the gearing is all pretty low too because it's it's designed to do off-roady things oh that's cool here's something really interesting before i off-roaded it i didn't really understand why i thought it was a luxury feature but when you start letting out the clutch Mm -hmm. in the bronco i don't remember if i talked about this on the last podcast i don't think you did if you let out the clutch and don't touch the gas at all, when you get near the end there, it revs enough. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Anti-stall. Anti-stall. And I was like, nobody knows how to drive sticks, so maybe this is how you make it palatable so you can sell them. When I went off-road, I now I get it. Hmm. You can be modulating like clutch and brake and not have to worry about the gas hmm. to like crawl over stuff. And you can just like start easing up on the clutch, let it find traction and then just let off the clutch and it will just crawl itself at idle up a hill. It's unreal. That's cool. I was actually about to ask what it was like crawling over stuff and going kind of slow through mud holes with the manual transmission. It, it's the things like a mountain goat. It makes no sense. (laughs) The things it can climb. It's unreal. That's great. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, um, I've not, I've done this stuff a couple of times ridden with other people, but I got to say, if you're from the world that that we're from doing like motorsports or at least like enjoying driving a car fast, you may not be sure that you would love going five miles an hour or never exceeding 15 would be a drag. It's not. It's (laughs) really interesting. It's really fun. It's really challenging. I was blown away with how much fun I was having. Interesting. And yeah, if you're like me and you love like publishing everything you're doing and like having photos and videos as memories, yeah, it's so much easier when you're going under 15 miles an hour to hop out, <laughs> and get some content, and have all your buddies hop out and get content of you and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. I so yeah, I've I've been off roading before. Okay, and it has never 
traditionally just done it for me. I don't know what okay. it is about it. I, I maybe it has something to do with the speed or like the fear of spinning off at high speed and crashing into a wall or or the actual like thrust of the thing like going going fast feeling g forces. Um, You're not pulling any g's. Uh, I don't I don't know. I just it just uh did you drive or did you only ride? I've done both. Okay. And I actually uh the most fun I've ever had off-road was uh, sliding a car around in what was you could equate to uh, like a rally stage type of format. So, so like going a little faster and doing a little sliding. All right. So I'm not going to lie. I am very interested to do that with the Bronco. <laughs> yeah. In fact, speaking of grid life stuff in a couple of weeks or at the end of the month, um, there is an ice race in Wisconsin that mm. I'm thinking very seriously about taking the Bronco to. That could be very interesting. It could be. It's uh, it's a one day event. It's cheap. It's like fifty five bucks. Um, the challenge is going to be getting up there, getting back, and it barely fits in the rules. I think it's like SCCA autocross rules. Okay. So basically, it has to be wider than it is tall. I measured. I am wider than I am tall, but not by much. <laughs> not by much. Just need bigger tires. Do they measure to the uh, fender or to the outside edge of the wheel tire? I measured to the tires because the tires, well, you know, the fenders might stick out a little more than the tire. Okay. So if that's the case, I'm, I've got a little more margin, but we're talking maybe a half inch <laughs> yeah. combined from both sides yeah. having the extra width. So That could be a lot of fun, though. That's what I'm thinking. And... um. That would be an excuse for me to take a road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm past break-in, so that's not a, a detractor. So I'm I'm thinking very seriously about doing it. I would just have to figure out how to minimize the time I take off work and how to not be completely destroyed day of by having like an extreme travel day ahead of time or something. Yeah. But I might I might do that, <laughs> and because I'm I'm interested in that. I'm really interested in like doing some higher speed off road like over some like whoops and stuff and through like dirt yeah. where it's going to slide around a lot. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. That could be really cool. Um, I do. Yeah. I, and not to hate on off-roading at all. I do love seeing a machine do climb over some stuff that you wouldn't think it'd be able to. Yeah. Um, it is a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's growing on me a little bit. I, okay. I need to do it some more to get comfortable with it. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's as extreme, but I think the, like the camaraderie is even better because mm-hmm. you're yep. all, it's like, it's like if we were doing um, autocross sections on the track and everybody would like get out of their car and watch everybody do it yes. and then move to the next part. It's more like that than people go off in their own cars and they don't come back for 30 minutes. It's, it's a good bit more social. It's, yeah. it's, a, uh, yeah, it's more of a hangout type of event where at track days a lot of the time you're just running from one run group to the next run group and hopping in and out of cars and sometimes you kind of forget to just like stop and hang out with your buddies <laughs> exactly and um, i think uh i think a lot of like i think a lot of car enthusiasts and a lot of track day people end up picking up off-roading um especially around when they're like starting a family because it's so accommodating of having kids with you and stuff like that because mm, you can go yeah. you can set up a campsite and endless fun for kids and you don't have to disappear from them from 30 minutes at a time and have somebody watch them. Like there's, there's some practicality things that, that exist there. And it's a similar kind of fun with similar kinds of people too, right? Like there's a lot of the technical and modding the car and thinking like an engineer and the things that I think bring a certain kind of people into motorsport, um, that, that overlap a lot with off-road. That being said, 
I'm talking about going with a bunch of car guys <laughs> off-roading to these trails. Off-roading is such a generic term. You know, you, you talk about people that do this, like, you know, meet up in the deepest rut and like just see how much mud they can sling. Um, <laughs> yeah. That might be a different crowd. <laughs> um, and then there's very, very serious off-roading that people pour just as much money into, you know, road course racing. And that is can be just as serious and just as impractical and everything else. But there is this, this in between that I think is really interesting. And what I love about it is, uh, is that I think there's this duality of building like a good, um, off-road rig that enables you to just go to these epic places around the planet that are hard to get to otherwise. And then, you know, the term that that's been, overused and abused is overlanding <laughs> and, and to be able to do that kind of stuff is very exciting to me because like I said, I, I love, I love road trips. I love, you know, capturing really cool places. I love just going and seeing cool things. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited for that world and don't worry, I'm not giving up track days and racing. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be sticking around that, but I, that's why I'm so excited. The, the, uh, the idea of the Bronco being my tow rig because I get to, I get to grab all my passions, literally link them together, and go travel the entire nation to do them. So, yeah, sounds like a good time. Yeah. So, all right, that's a bunch of my stuff. Um, it's okay. <laughs> what, what have you been doing over the break? Uh, so over the break, just spending most of my time planning modifications and getting ready for. Uh, the track day, particularly in March, the one at okay. AMP that we've been talking about a yeah. little bit earlier. So, uh, yeah, getting getting the E46 uh, kind of done and, and dusted and ready to go is, is the top priority. Um, for fear of beating a dead horse by listing things that I am going to do, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short. Right. <laughs> I think I may have touched on some of these things before, but uh, I, I have now put into motion. Um, basically, I'll, I'm, I'm going to put a... Uh, yeah, well, first off, it's basically a spec E46 without the cage uh, cool. in its current state. Okay. So, so it's like a it's so kind of like a spec. I. Yeah, 330Ci uh, okay. E46 BMW. Yeah. Um, so it's the coupe and uh, it's the M54. It's like three liter inline six, 230 horsepower, something like that. Um, Solid motor, very reliable. Yes, uh, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so so far so good. Um, so, uh, yeah, what, what I, I've done the reliability stuff. So like has a baffled, uh, uh, oil pan and fuel pan, uh, did a bunch of the bushings that were old on it. It, was, it, it crossed over 190,000 miles on the oh, wow. track at Barber, which was nice. kind of fun. I think I mentioned that last time. Um, I have, uh, gone ahead and ordered the suspension. So Olin's road and track. Is it, is this like the spec suspension? Um, it's not actually. Okay. So the MCS's, um, emotion mm. control system suspensions, uh, I can't remember what it's called. MCS. Uh, that one, uh, is like, I think I forget what the spring rates are, but they are very, very high. Oh, you wouldn't uh, want to drive it on the street. No, it would, it yeah. would make it completely unstreetable. And I have driven one on that suspension on the street and it was unstreetable. Okay. <laughs> so I did that just to be sure. Um, and then things like the exhaust as well. Um, the spec exhaust drones horribly at like 3000 RPM. Yeah. Uh, so that's not something that I can do on it either, but uh, yeah, all of the driveline components, the diff, it has an LSD, which isn't standard. It's the right ratio for the Specy 46 stuff. Um, 
yeah, the the goal is to now put on some suspension and some sway bars and that exhaust and a tiny little tune just to make it a little more lively. And the I think the the benchmark is kind of we have a couple friends that have E36 M3s, which are the yeah. you know, previous generation uh, M cars. Excellent cars. Yeah, and BMW always in the way that they do cars in stock form, um, they usually release the top model non M car to be at the performance level or above of the, the performance gen. level. Yes, of the prior gen cool. M car. So the 330CI is the top line non M car from the E46 uh, generation. Okay, question though. Yeah. So the E46 330i cuz there was this big question of like well, the US E36 like didn't get the motor that they did in Europe. And so... <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Which one did they benchmark? Yeah. Um, they definitely didn't benchmark the Euro motor because I think that one was like... A... That thing was a hot rod. Wasn't it like 300 horsepower or something? I think it was pretty close to it, yeah. Dang. And okay. then the one that we got here was more um, more around like, I think it was 250 yeah. or 260 maybe, something, somewhere in that yeah, range. Yeah. I'm sorry I haven't done the research in advance. But um, yeah, that, that and that's about, that's much closer to okay. where the, the my car will be. So yeah, suspension ordered, uh, sway bars ordered, um, exhaust and header ordered, uh, software ordered. Nice. Um, yeah, and then I've got uh, sticky tires to put on. I got two sets of RE71Rs from our friend that works at Bridgestone. Yeah, which is great. yeah, you got to have a connect super, to do that these yeah, days. Yeah, <laughs> super discounted uh, rate. So yeah, it's gonna be ready and and hopefully fast by the March event. So um, just focusing on getting all of that done. And like I said, work's been busy. So trying to find the time off to work on it and install everything is is uh, has been the biggest struggle. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny. Like I guess as you get older and further along in your career the the money becomes less of a problem and the the, the time, time becomes more of a problem absolutely and uh yeah it's, that is um happening happening a little bit um well so. and that's really like my struggle right with this this year's event it's yeah cost is a big burden especially like rushing this build but it's more so things like man i can't afford to ask off for all of these events two years in a row yeah i just know that'd be asking too much for my job so if I can't do go all in this year, then I have to go all in next year. I have to be really cognizant of my time this year. Yeah, totally, totally get that. Um, and the the car is already impressing me, even uh, before awesome. putting the good suspension on. So, and um, have you tracked this car yet? Uh, yeah, I, okay. I did it uh, Barber, and I drove it at AMP as well. It was not as impressive at AMP um, because the body roll is so immense okay. on the um, mostly stock suspension and AMP is very tight and technical track with lots of direction yeah. changes and elevation changes. And it was very hard to get it to switch one direction to the other very quickly. Okay. At Barber, which is a little bit more sweepy, uh, that's a technical term. It was, <laughs> <Very technical. laughs> it was uh, much more, uh, it, it, it was just much more stable and much more trustworthy. And I was able to push it a lot harder and the direction changes affected the speed of it less. So um, I was able to keep up with some cars that I didn't think I'd be able to keep up with, which is always a good thing in, in, yeah. a, in a new-ish track car. What, so. are you, what have you done or what are you doing about brakes? Um, so the uh, standard brakes are actually fantastic. Oh, really? So yeah, it, the, the standard brakes on this car are, from what I understand, even the same part number as the previous gen uh, M car brakes. Oh, wow. The they, E36 M3 brakes. They really do. So do that way. yeah, I put some... Um, uh, what are they called? PFC 08s, front and rear. Nice. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Never had an issue. Actually, you rode along uh, and you said... Oh, that's right. You said they felt... Uh, what was the word? 
crumbly. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, I remember that. No, so that that was them. Um, yeah. They work very well. Um, the feel, maybe like you were suggesting, is uh, not like a finely tuned uh, race caliper, mm-hmm. uh, but they work and they're reliable. And I came in after hot lapping it for 20 minutes with no issues, and uh, I did like half a cooldown lap. And got out and was kind of just taking temperatures around the car. And, like, the, they weren't that hot. They were fine. That's awesome. So they they vent well. You've not been to Red Atlanta yet in it. No, but that's probably going to be even more in the direction of the good times. That's what Harvard. I was going to say. Yeah. I, I feel like the car would, would work really well there. Yeah, you, uh, I, you can huck it into turns with an immense amount of speed and you can just lean on it and trust it and i I haven't had a car that i was able to do that with in a long time the Mm. um both the s2000 and the miata before it and a lot of the front wheel drive stuff that i've been driving lately okay is like you have to be prepared at any moment with any amount of turn in for it to be going sideways wow and uh the this thing is not that way you can really (laughs) lean on it and and it and it hooks up and goes so um enjoying it it's a lot of fun that's cool that's yeah. really cool um i'll uh, continue with uh so we've talked recently i think in previous episodes about the 992 gt3 i have recently yeah. now I, i've driven a ton in the pdk 992 gt3 and recently i have also now driven the manual uh gt3 so the new 992 gt3 wow. with the manual transmission not many people can say that so yeah it's a really cool opportunity um and first of all i'm sure it's like ridiculously fast oh yeah they're all stupid fast um uh they yeah i mean there is there are not many things in the automotive world that are more satisfying than taking (laughs) (laughs) than taking a uh flat six gt3 of any generation all the way to its 9000 rpm red line yes (laughs) i yeah the the list is short of things (laughs) that are are better than that um but uh yeah so i heard recently i have not seen the official numbers on this the previous gen uh 991.2 gt3 uh they uh split manual versus pdk 50 50 Oh wow! I, which is actually a really big deal. That yeah. hardly ever happens uh, on like any kinda car. Kind of any car, yeah. Yeah, in modern uh, era. So they split it fifty-fifty. That was a huge deal, um, and people were buying the manual in much higher numbers and rates than ever previously. So uh, the new car, I've heard that the split is even further in the favor of manual. Really? So, yeah. I the number that I heard was seventy thirty. Wow. And I, I I have to see the official numbers. I, we'll check back in and I'll let you know if that's actually true or not. That is bucking um, the trend. I don't think but, anything else is like that. My my yeah. Bronco, uh, being manual is like, I mean, I don't I don't know the actual take rate, but like, very rare. Yeah. But everybody opens when I open the door, they're like, "Whoa, it's a manual!" Yeah. Didn't even know it existed. It was it was from a reliable source uh, at Porsche Corporate, so wow. I that it I think it's real. Um, but anyways, yeah. uh, I after I've always been, and I think you are too, diehard manual person. Like no matter what the car is, we'd always take a manual over. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Automatic. Certainly my default, you know. Yeah, and I've never owned an automatic. Um, Ever really? Yeah, N- not even since like the beginning of your driving. Since the beginning of time, <laughs> I- I've never actually owned an automatic. <laughs> that is hilarious. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've owned automatics. Um, I- I've now I've had automatics in my care. Yeah, never owned an auto. Huh. So like I borrowed my dad's truck when I was 
spent some time uh, interning for Honda up in Ohio. Okay. Borrowed his his truck for like you know a few months. So that's like the closest I got to actually owning an auto. Mm-hmm. Everything else, manual transmission. That is really cool. I, I grew up on Ford Rangers. They were manual transmission four cylinders. <laughs> so the Bronco is not far off from that. But like S two thousand one thirty five I one twenty eight I Toyota eighty six like all the, all these yeah, things I've right. on manual and they've all been two door manuals convertibles or coupes hmm. everything man kudos to you yeah <laughs> uh, more more points uh for you um, yeah i've owned automatics before uh, uh we had a honda fit that was automatic that, and that was actually kind of a fun car to drive so uh, anyways, oh, do you tell I'm, I'm, I'm this close. Man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm about to like, when we get off this podcast, I might make a call and, and have a Honda fit, uh, but yeah. it will be a manual. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That car was very light and very slow, but it was huckable in a very fun way. That's cool. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that car. Uh, but anyways, um, I, previously I would have told you that I would, I would have bought the manual GT three after driving both of them in a racetrack environment. Uh, I would buy the PDK hands down wow um the pdk is awesome and it's not just the speed of the pdk as much as it is when you're driving the car at the limit you can keep both hands on the wheel (laughs) 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 and that makes a big difference when um the car is starting to break away at the at the limit of traction um and and when you're doing that like consistently around corner after corner um the manual you have i mean the the physical act of taking your hand off of the wheel going down to the shifter moving it and then putting your hand back on the wheel uh you lose some accuracy in the in the steering wheel and to the point where in that car now with its new front suspension which has all the grip in the world uh it's the so can you feel that difference with the suspension change oh yeah it is night and day compared to the old car um the turn-in is razor sharp um, you put in like one degree of steering and it's going that way. Wow. <laughs> um, and it is very difficult, if not largely impossible to get that car to understeer, which has always been the complaint of 911. Yeah. Cause there's no weight on the nose. Yeah. And if you get on the power too early while you're mm-hmm. still trying to turn, Rather than it doing a big drift, which it still might do sometimes, <laughs> uh, historically, it would just lift the nose up yep. and start to slide and push those front tires a little bit, which is very predictable and fast when you're exiting a corner. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's not very fun. And so uh, people beat on that issue for long enough that they changed the front suspension. And now it's razor sharp. Wow. But all of this is just to say, when you are making, when you're taking your hand off the wheel, shifting, and then going back to the wheel, you lose a little bit of accuracy in your steering and the wheel, even if it just wobbles the t- just a millimeter, yeah. <laughs> the car is moving and, uh, and, it, and it will adjust your line and adjust the amount of grip that you have um, when you're on the limit. So, yeah, I can't believe I'm saying it, uh, but I would, I would buy the PDK car. Um, you know, yeah. I, I've, I've kind of agreed with that because I'm with you. Um, manual, you know, manual or bust, but... PDK is just that good, and typically they're in cars that are fast enough that, like you said, if you're really having fun with that car, you your experience is not improved mm-hmm. by rowing gears. Well, yeah, I do agree with that. Let me say, though, the, the fun factor is largely, in a track environment, is largely uh, unchanged from one to the other. 
Okay. When you're on the limit, it's fun in both of them. So, so like wh- what I'm saying is when you get in the manual car in that environment, you don't, you're not driving there thinking, man, I'm having so much more fun than I was in the <laughs> other car. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you're having to concentrate a little bit harder and think about where you're uh where you're placing the car and you have to be a little more ginger on the i mean you can just get in the pdk car and be going like full speed after like two or three laps and you hop in the manual car and you have to like re uh adjust your brain to to be able to keep up with everything that you need to do um and it's just when maybe it's a product of going back and forth between the two quickly i don't i don't know but well uh, i mean that's the only true way to do it most people will drive one of them and compare it to whatever they drove last, which was probably like a, you know, a minivan. So yeah. like to to actually be able to compare them back to back, you can you can make a real argument. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is you can uh, you can turn auto blip uh, off. So oh, cool. if you are driving the manual, and it is a lot of fun, don't get me wrong, um, you can turn auto blip off and then blip yourself. You can also in track mode, you have a couple of preset modes. You can adjust individually what's in each one of the modes. So in track mode, you actually have the option to turn uh, electronic stability control and track control off. So when you rotate the mode switch over to track mode, it will automatically like do everything that you wow. want it to do. Um, normally, you, you would have gone over to track mode, and then if you wanted to turn stuff off, you'd have to click additional buttons. Sure. Now it's just all attached to that hotkey. That's cool. So it's a lot quicker to go in and out of modes, and you have uh, probably like... 10 different parameters that you can adjust in each one of the modes. Wow, that's a lot. Compared to previously, it was probably only like four. Yeah. So there's a lot more customizability. I can't think of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, here's the thing, though. The way So traditionally, the 911 was just an, I don't know, just like a an interesting car that that proved itself in racing and mm-hmm. became an icon. But anymore, I feel like the 911 is just like a flex of how incredible engineering can possibly be. You know, <laughs> which is why like I am a big fan of PDK for mm-hmm. a 911 because it's it's really showcasing all that tech. And let's face it, these cars I just I don't know. You can agree with you can disagree with me because you've driven them and I've not driven them in quite a while, but like I feel like the rawness has been replaced with just magnificent engineering. Like it's not worse; it's just very different. Yeah, I, no, I think I I would agree with that. And obviously, they've gotten bigger and they've gotten more luxurious, and right. they're leaning more towards. To be fair, just about everything has. Touring. Yeah, yeah, and and that is true. Just about everything has. Um, but and in my opinion, like going PDK celebrates that. Hmm. Okay. Rather than trying to reverse it, it's like no, 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 no. Give me no air conditioning in like a modern luxury car. Like no, no, no. like no, sure that's more that. raw, but like why don't you celebrate what it's become? And I think PDK is a celebration of like it is a technological marvel. Yeah, I, I do think that's true. Because um. you know, I I have different people that sign my paycheck, so I can say this, but like mid engine's going to be superior. <laughs> and, and the fact that they've not done that, but they've accomplished what they've had, I think is really just like an incredible engineering feat. So I'll, I will, I will offer one counterpoint to that. And that is the mid engine, uh, just generally speaking, mid engines yeah. that I have driven have always been just a little bit more edgy, a little bit more snappy, if you will. Mm. Um, it's, you can't, take 
um, if you have two cars that are exactly identical, I wish there was an example that we could use here. And one of them's mid-engine and one of them's front engine and one of them's rear engine. Um, the one that you will be able to drift, the the <laughs> the one that you'll have the hardest time drifting is probably going to be the mid-engine car. Well, the front wheel drive probably first, right? Or sorry, I meant like front engine, rear wheel drive. So like a... Oh, I see, I see, yeah, I see. Yeah, I think like a, I don't know, like an M3 or something. Um, that you can probably drift pretty easily, right? You have yeah. unlimited front grip. Yeah. You've got the uh, power going to the rear. You can slide it around. You have the mid-engine car. Now all of a sudden it's a little bit more snappy because you have that center point of gravity, uh, or uh, sorry, center uh, access point uh, where the whole car is going to kind of rotate around the center of gravity in that engine in the middle of the car and also the passenger compartment. And then in the rear engine car, it's kind of like a pendulum, right? You have the weight in the back of the car. You can kind of swing it out. And it's it's not necessarily... They've engineered out a lot of the snap oversteer that you would see with like the Widowmaker cars, as they used to call. I think it was the GT2 back in the day mm. or like the 930 Turbo, those, yeah. those kind of things. Um, but yeah, the rear engine car, you can you can kind of swing that rear end around like a pendulum and mm. it's and it's easier to slide than something that is mid-engine and i'm just using like you think gt4 versus gt3 like right. it's way easier to slide the gt3 around than it is the gt4 but sliding you know and at least a, a large slide is fun yeah but not necessarily the fastest and i i would argue that like mid-engine cars allow you to test that and shift the balance between understeer oversteer mm -hmm. more readily um, than either other configuration of engine position. And as a result, you should, in theory, it should be easier to stay on the very limit all the time. Now, being on the limit all the time is exactly what you just described, edgy, right? Right. So maybe that's not the feel you want, but it seems like it's the superior design. Yeah, I could. Uh, so yes, totally agree. Um, while it is edgier on the limit and you would potentially have less fun sliding it around, it is definitely, from an engineering perspective, uh, superior in most cases. And I just think that, so t to be fair, like you can make the argument that the front engine's not ideal either. Mm -hmm. And so to do something incredible with a front engine car, uh, you know, would take equal engineering. Um, but I guess what's interesting about Porsche is they're the only one attempting the rear engine solution, yeah. really. I mean, and there might be another. I, I can't think of it, but. It is very satisfying to drive to. The, yeah. Just the way that the car will put down power out of a corner Any really any rear engine. See, we'd be in trouble if anyone else was doing this. If you took any other manufacturer and you said, you're the only one that's going to put an engine <laughs> rear of the rear axle, yeah. make it fun to drive. I don't know if anyone would rise to the occasion like Porsche does. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think they would either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've probably talked too long about this now, uh, but thank you for uh, attending my Ted talk. Yeah. On, <laughs> on manual versus PDK GT threes. <laughs> it's man. It's, it's so fun. And I, who wouldn't want to like, who wouldn't want to live that um, those kinds of experiences vicariously through this podcast. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. We can talk more about that if, if people want, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I feel like we've, covered a good bit this episode um mm -hmm. really the intention here was kind of catch everybody up and, and remind them hey we still exist 2022 has started <laughs> um kind of announced that my plans have have changed a little my focus has changed this mm -hmm. year um i still want to be very present in grid life but i could be less present in gltc if need be um because i'm going to give it a true shot next year and that's just i had to take that step back and make that decision yeah so this year is going to be about some refocusing. 
um i'm really interested in trying to fit though um so i might i might be doing a little bit of that as an excuse to get out there in a different way and interacting with uh grid life more yeah it's it's a hard thing to balance the wanting to try something new and different and yeah. also not abandoning the you know projects that you have going on so true um a lot of the time in in car modding and whatnot i get distracted where i start uh, or, or even i just i just will spend a lot of time doing something to a car that i don't need to do to a car making it perfect before i before i take it to an event or something like that yeah. and uh yeah i I'm I'm cautious to encourage you to to do the the fit thing and then uh, like not has, be able to devote as much time to the to the Miata and, and lose focus on it. But at the same time, the fit thing sounds super fun and it's it a, and it's fun. a tough decision. So <laughs> I know we'll have to keep checking in on that. And yeah, I, realistically, I need to get the 128 moving again. Yeah, that even if it's just priority. to sell it, like yeah. that that might yeah that might be the a slightly larger priority just get it work and sell it and then use that to buy a fit or or finish the miata it's not a bad um, idea yeah. yeah but anyway not well, trying to tell you what to do with your cars <laughs> no i need this kind of uh i need this kind of feedback and uh you guys listening um let me know too so i i can be found on instagram i'm on there all the time probably more than i should uh at bandygram again this is kevin bandy um so check me out there and check out my YouTube, especially if you want to check out some of those Bronco videos I posted up. I am also going to start posting um, build videos so <laughs> you can you can see the uh, build progress. Um, that's difficult. I'm not in a groove there yet. I've recorded some of it. I'm going to figure out how to create a story arc so it's actually enjoyable to watch. Um, but hopefully throughout the year, I'll get better at actually putting those together and I'll post more of them. Um, so how do we, how do we follow Corey? Oh yeah. So, uh, Corey R. Funk on, uh, Instagram. Um, actually a, quite a few of lis listeners have been following recently. Maybe they follow you and they've seen the tags and posts or whatever, but, um, yeah, cool. Good to have you guys on board and we'll, uh, I'll try to <laughs> post, uh, some interesting, uh, car content here soon. Um, and then, uh, on YouTube, it's the enthusiast perspective. So such a good um, name. I love it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have two videos that I am like 90% edited on. Um, one You've of got to put those out. Yeah. 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 Don't let it linger. Set yourself a deadline. Yeah. I know. I know you're a perfectionist, but the world deserves to be able to see these. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I, I have one driving, um, uh, Nissan, Altima at AMP bone stock. <laughs> and that is a fun one. Um, and just different than what it, what the content usually is. And there's lots of giggling, uh, with <laughs> the passenger in the car about how, how terrible the car is. Um, <laughs> and actually we, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by some things in it. Um, and then, uh, I have another one going for when I drove the MX five cup car at road America. So, uh, what? that was, that was a fun yeah, that was a fun event. And first time at that track, uh, driving in a car oh. that I'd never driven before that had some funny, quirky things that were really messed up with it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think I've so heard some of these stories. It's, uh, yeah, I've, I've got that going too. So those those two are going to be fun. And then eventually I'll get around to actually talking about like reviewing some cars and stuff. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good stuff. Well, thanks for tuning back in. Uh, we'll keep this going for 2022. Maybe we'll actually get some interviews on the podcast too be awesome. and uh i think we'll kind of funnel those in between so 
maybe we'll actually get more episodes out this year. But I, I'm pretty happy with what we did in 2021. So it'll be uh, exciting to see this this new year progress. And and I think we'll I think we'll actually have some really cool stuff happen this year. So stay tuned. Absolutely. See you next time. Thanks.